fashion insider friends. What is up? This is the Fashion Crimes Podcast, where I cover all things fashion, style, shopping, style inspiration, and interview incredible small business owners who are changing the fashion industry for the better. Yes, I'm the best friend you never knew you needed and the poster child for fashion over 40. And I mean, way after 40. Say it with me. Fashion and style are your friends, not your enemies. I'm Holly Cates, your favorite personal stylist, and let's keep it real, the only Holly you need to know. Turn it up, because I got a lot to say, and I am super stoked you're here. What's up, everybody? This is the Fashion Crimes Podcast. My name is Holly Cates, your hostess with the mostess, your best friend you never knew you needed in fashion, and as always, the only Holly you need to know. I am so excited. Shana Tova to all of the Jews out there and to everyone who celebrates. It is the Jewish New Year 5783, just in case you were wondering that. We have had a great week so far. We had a fabulous interview last week. I hope you check that out with Jen Luciani Senna, the bra queen. She's written two books. Please check that episode out. If you did not listen to that, or if you're new here, make sure you check out episode 100 with Melissa Rivers. Yes, you heard me right. Melissa Rivers and episode 105 with fashion designer extraordinaire Nicole Miller. We had a lot of great stuff coming on, but I really hoped you listened last week because that was the Fashion Week 2022 trend report with yours truly, moi, and some help, obviously, from the FGI group. And we had a great trend report. It was amazing. Listen to it. Get on the trends. Get on that. So anyway, just in case you're new here, go to fashioncrimespodcast.com, drop your name into the pop-up box, and you will get all of this free fashion content brought to you every single week. And you get to hang out with me. Duh. I don't know how your day can get any better. But today... We have another BFD. I just want to say I discovered him. You know, y'all know I pick people up, right? So I picked up this little gem in line at New York Fashion Week. We fell in love. I said, oh my God, I need to interview you. He's like, oh my God, today? When? Anyway, Fashion Crimes Podcast Insider Besties. God damn it. Welcome Evan Hirsch to the show. Hi, everybody. Hey, Evan. I'm so happy that you joined us here on the Fashion Crimes Podcast. We are so excited to have you. We have so much ground to cover, so I don't want to waste another second. You have so much going on. I want everyone to know you. I want everyone to know what you're doing. This is incredible. Let's start here. Evan Hirsch is a celebrated 25, y'all. He's 25 years old. He's a fashion designer, an entrepreneur, television personality, stylist, and amateur makeup artist. Okay, he's going to give me some lessons. I didn't know you were a makeup artist. Okay, then. Amateur. Um, let's emphasize that. Okay, all right. Don't worry about it. We're going to work it out. He's most known for creating dramatic, over-the-top, transforming gowns that have captured millions of hearts around the globe. Born and raised in New York, Evan started his journey in theater, as did I. And gradually transitioned into watching runway shows and sketching intricate costumes in fashion illustration classes offered at his high school. He has been featured both on TV where he's worked with Donna Drake family as well as live with Kelly and Ryan and in publication features such as Vogue Business and Glamour Magazine. 
my God, he is all over the place. He is going to have a made-to-order collection launching very soon, and he is going to definitely, we're going to put this in the universe. He is going to design gowns for the Met Gala. We're just going to go ahead and put that in the universe, okay? And I'm going to be wearing one of your gowns. So we're going to put that in the universe too. So I'm going to be at the Mount Gala wearing one of your designs. How you like that universe? Okay. From your lips to God's ears. I mean, really, Evan, (laughs) thank you so much for joining us. We're so happy to have you. I am done talking. Hit it, my friend. So yes, as you could tell from my bio, I'm definitely long-winded in what I say about myself. But yeah, I just started this fashion journey. I always... Like I said, I started in theater when I was really young and really awkward. So everybody has their little theater kid days. And then I gradually transitioned into doing um, more sketching. And then I started, I had this friend who would always come in in these amazing vintage outfits. And she would just explain to me where each brand is from and what each decade was from. And I became so interested. And I found out that my high school had fashion design classes. So I started taking those. And I absolutely loved it. And then I started watching runway shows on like live streams. And then I went to college. I went to Drexel University. Shout out to them. And I, right, exactly. So I started out in like the merchandising program because I said, you know, I want to be a designer, but I never learned how to sew. And, you know, I can sketch, but I'm not like Picasso. So what are you going to do? But gradually, everyone would ask me, they would go around the room and they'd be like, oh, well, what do you want to do in the industry? And everyone would say like, oh, buyer or stylist or a merchandiser. And they would get to me and I would say, oh, designer. And all the teachers would say, that's on the third floor. And I would say, oh, I know, but like, I can't sew, you know, this and that. And then my friend who was in fashion design, she went upstairs to the third floor. She invited me up and she started teaching me how to turn on a machine, how to thread a needle, how to, you know, load up a bobbin, everything like that. And then I just fell in love with it. And I switched into the program and I never looked back. And um, years ago, I saw this meme from Hussein Chalayan, who is this amazing British designer with all those famous shows, like the table that turns into a skirt and all those shows. Yeah. And it was like a meme. And it said like, when the, when the wedding invitation says, casual but you show up and it's black tie and the girl like pulls on her dress and it turns into this gown and I said wait why doesn't every dress do that like I why would anybody want to wear something that doesn't do that so that became my mission statement and I said every gown that I design will become something else and change and have a shock value so that's carried me to this day and during the pandemic I worked in corporate fashion for like years and I was an intern and then I was a tech designer which is not creative at all it was me too me too girl it was just armhole six inches armhole six inches armhole six and a half inches send back to factory Mm -hmm. it was basically like that and I just you know I longed for creativity and then you know Miss Rona Miss Coronavirus took care of that so I started posting my own gowns and posting videos of of my transforming dresses that I made in school and my school's runway show and whatever and it just like blew up like six million views like three million views 2.4 million views and people started messaging me and that's when I realized this could actually be a business and then I even called a local tv station while I I said to my sister like do you think any tv stations would look for a fashion person and she said no why would they I mean they would already have them 
But then I just called this local TV station, the Donna Drake TV show, which films very locally to when I was back on Long Island. And I said, could you use fashion on your show? And she said, maybe let's try it. And I've been on it ever since. And we're going on two years. So I have a lot of different things. I just showed a new collection. So I'm sure we'll get all into that. But that's a little bit about me. Our lives are like 25 years apart, but we are very parallel. I too started out in fashion merchandising and marketing because I wanted to be a buyer and I saw how much math was involved. I was like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Me too. I saw that. And I was just like, and my aunt was a shoe buyer for Lomans. And I was just like, oh, so she goes and she picks out like you know, shoes and like, it's so fun. No, it's no. like a lot of math is involved. Like you got to be a real brainiac to do that. You just have to be a financial person. And once I realized that, I was like, I'm good. And I wanted to, to be in the creative business of fashion and everything I was doing was either tech design or assistant designer, picking out colors, sorting through fabric. Like I wasn't really doing anything creative. So I, I hear you on that. When we learned to sew in fashion design school, I remember we sewed on a piece of paper. Me too. That was the first one. Make sure the lines were straight. Uh, yeah, it was fun. Anyway. It was a paper with a line, a circle, and a square. Yeah, so that's great. So anyway, so it's so interesting to meet you that we sort of had... Um, the same journey. Obviously, you're, a, you know, I wasn't a great sewer, but if you can sew and do it, I mean, that's take the ball and run with it. And it seems like you found a niche that is very unique. Explain how it's a gown. Okay. Just talk about a gown and then how it transforms. Explain that to people who can't see it. We're going to post your videos. All that's going to be in the show notes, but explain it so people can understand. Definitely. So I'll preface this in saying that I'm not the first person to do this. I mean, we've seen it on all different like runways and a lot of drag performers do it and things like that. But it's never been brought to like a market where someone could have their own like transformational moment before. So I my dresses pretty much have this element where it'll look like a regular dress, like it'll just look like any standard dress. I like there to be like a really big color you know, transformation. So I usually start out darker, like a black or a gray or like a dark wine maroon color. And usually my model will pull on their neckline or pull on their, you know, draped piece around, you know, their arms or something like that. And it will flow down into like a long gown or like a huge flowy skirt or just something that you wouldn't anticipate. So a lot of it is like, dark, kind of like bad to the bone looking, very like harsh. And then she'll pull on it and it'll turn into what we kind of see as evening wear, like long, flowy, like floor length, chiffon. Like I like it to be very like pretty in the transformations. It is so badass, y'all. Okay, just imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, interrupt me if I'm wrong, a black spaghetti strap dress with a sweetheart neck imagine that and then you pull I don't know it's like a fucking string or something and then the whole thing turns white and into something else it's really smart and very remarkable it is a wow factor like beyond a wow factor so your designs are Evan Hirsch designs is that correct Yes, I've just done Evan Hirsch, yeah. Evan Hirsch. So tell me, who is the Evan Hirsch customer? Who would wear something like this? 
Well, I like to say anyone who's like extra like me, like anyone who is like, I remember when I was young, I would go out and I would want to stand out from everybody else. So I would like, you know, hot glue stuff to myself and <laughs> burn myself in the process and be wrapping ribbons to the point where I looked ridiculous. But, you know, like I got attention. So it's like if you are not shy, you want to be the center of attention, you want to command the room. That's kind of my customer. It's anyone of any gender, body type, age, does not matter to me, as long as you just want to command the room and have your own Met Gala moment. Like, that's what I love. And so many people, like my favorite thing about social media is I'll post my videos and people will create scenarios where they want to wear the dress. Like some people are like, I want to do this. I mean, I don't condone it, but people are like, I want to do this at a funeral and like change afterwards I was like I mean don't say I told you to do that but right. you know, people want to do it I mean obviously at their weddings like to come down the aisle and like command that moment a lot of prom people want to do it which I mean that would be me at the prom too to like feel everybody's like a moment like oh you got prom queen watch this like <laughs> That's like very much my target customers. Anybody who's extra, not shy, loves glitz and glamour, like loves to just all eyes on them. That's very much my customer. Let's talk about the construction for a minute. So when somebody is wearing a dress like that, is it intricate designs? Is it seven hooks that you have to unhook? Is it, can you sit? I remember I wore a dress one time and I was like, I can't sit. I mean, I can, but it's not comfortable. Tell us about the, the construction and how long does it take to complete a gown like this? Well, for me, I mean, the construction has always been kind of, a, it's like a puzzle that you put right. together. For me, like if I'm creating it first, I got to do the whole ideation phase where I'm like drawing it out and trying to hide fabrics in different places and cool, intricate ways to like get fabric to kind of flow out, but hide in different spots. So that was, you know, the first step to it. When I would do it, I mean, it would take me a few days, obviously, like I'm no master tailor. So like, I'm, I'm okay. I'm like intermediate at sewing, like I could get the job done, and show it to somebody who's really good and be like, can you do this, but like more eloquently. <laughs> so um, yeah, I could do that pretty much at least to the point where you get my idea. And I've just recently now have a manufacturer that's working with me in the garment district. And they like sometimes hate me because like my dresses are like 16 layers. And I'm like, sure five skirts and like three tops that like go into one thing. But I was shocked my huge finale ball gown that like is like eight layers like in itself. They complained, but they got it done in a day. <laughs> so I was like, you got it done in a day. Like, that's amazing. But apparently these seamstresses like can do like a gown in like, I don't know, two hours. So that was a lot for them, but very impressive for me. And in terms of like the functional abilities of the dresses, sometimes it's really, you know, a hit or miss because some, you know, with a normal dress, you just test it, wear it and you're done. With me, it's like, I want my models to like move. I want them to, like you said, try to sit down. I want them to be able to like reach for things and everything. And a lot of it 
is I'm sure once people see the dresses, it won't be like a crazy secret anymore, but a lot of it is kind of like magnetized. So it's like, I don't want to get like caught on a lot of jewelry or it's like, I need to test magnets to see if they're strong enough to like withstand somebody's walking. We've had problems with that before. It's like so much of the fabric is not heavy, but like it, when it is like hidden, like it could interfere with those. So we try and we as in like me as if I had this. <laughs> me and my staff which is me yeah me and my staff I mean I I'm sure I explain it to my manufacturer and they're just like whatever I mean it's another <laughs> job though but I'm like it's my baby so I'm I'm very much testing all that out but um yeah I try and I try and test everything out see how functional it is some of them you know to be completely honest are just show pieces or are kind of like you have it in one way and then the functional part of it is when it comes down and then it's a normal dress that you could wear so it's like it's a little bit hard to move around for the moment until you shock the room and then you can do your thing i met evan i think we were in line for the bibhu show and he had on supima supima just kidding but bibu was a yes he had on this black jacket with this all of this ruffle this like it was all the way from the bottom of the jacket all the way up to the shoulder. I was like, I got to know who that is. Tell me about that. And you're like, oh, I just, I just sewed this. Like it was, you know, you're like, I just threw this on and it was so cute and different. And it really made a statement. That's what caught my attention. And on top of that, you were nice. And it's hard to meet. I shouldn't say it's hard, but it's really nice to meet nice people who are interested genuinely interested in helping people for the greater good. You're trying to get, and stop me if I'm wrong, putting words in your mouth. No, please. We're going to talk about price point in a minute, but I see the value in buying something like you're creating because it's really two things in one. Talk about the price for a minute. Yeah, definitely. So I, I mean, if you've talked to me in the past, two months, I feel like I'm kind of like a broken record telling everybody they're like, this is a great idea. Like, are you selling them? And I'm like, I get so many inquiries. And I now have a manufacturer and I'm trying to work out all the business deals. I don't want to like do something wrong and be like in prison for fraud or something like that. (laughs) Like my main thing. I'm always trying to work that part out. And a lot of it in terms of my price point, like it is two dresses in one. And designers aren't very transparent in terms of like what the means to the end is like what all of the materials cost and what the labor costs and things like that but it's like if you look at one of my dresses like know that a seamstress looked at it and was like what the heck is this how do I get this done like it's not straightforward it is once they finish one dress it's like okay it's time to sew the second one like underneath like into the first one so I mean some of them, I think my manufacturer treats it as like, okay, you have eight layers. Like that's eight dresses. Right. Agreed. You have like six skirts, like that six (laughs) separate skirts that we would have like made for another client. Mm -hmm. So it's very labor intensive. It's made in New York city, which is another, you know, like premium (laughs) thing. All the fabrics are sourced by me. All the patterns, uh, uh, the pattern maker you're looking at, I'm like, that's me. So, I mean, everything is very labor intensive, but at the same time, um, like even the big ball gown, like I've, like, it's a huge ball gown and it has like eight layers. Like it was my finale piece and everybody wants it. And to me, like, 
I've worked it out is to price it in between like 2600 for like my big ball gown. And then the smaller kind of, you know, like shift dresses or things that are less labor intensive, like short cocktail dresses and things like that could be anywhere from like 800 to like 1200 and things like that could be, you know, anywhere from 1200 to 1700. So I get scared that that's like an unheard of amount. Like I I'm try to be very, you know, humble in the fact that I'm not at these huge designer, you know, CFDA levels yet, but you know, you know that it's coming from from me in a good place and it was hand designed by me and it was a lot of engineering to get it to that point. So there's a lot that goes into it from conception to you being able to wear it and knowing that the price was worth what was put into it. That's what I love about you is that you are so humble and you're, you want to do, let's be clear, everybody wants to make money. Okay. Myself included, but you're trying to do it in a really ethical way where you don't want to shock and awe and feel like people are excluded. Correct. And you want it. But again, you're trying to price it fair. And that's what I love about you. And I can tell about your energy when I met you is that you are really from the bottom of your heart wanting to make people more beautiful, more confident, really the shock and awe, glitter bomb. You got that. Anybody who fits into that persona you got them. And that's what attracted me to you is because I feel like with my business, we have similar interests. But I love that you want, I don't want to say you're not trying to be sustainable, but because it's so intensive, you are very sustainable. And let's talk about as you're creating and the fashion industry has such a shitty rap about fast fashion and creating too many things at once. And, you know, couture, which I'm calling you at this point in your career, that's really the old school way of drawing one dress, taking it to the pattern maker, taking it to this. And that shit takes a long ass time. Forget uh, like it took you probably weeks to get the fabric that you wanted. Now you got it. It just, it's not like something you can do like quick, like put it on a machine and it's done. So I consider you very sustainable. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. So that's another thing is getting fabrics and it has to be in a bulk where if more people want to actually order it, like I could reorder it and things like that. But I've tried to be very sustainable in terms of like the way I started was ripping up old things, <laughs> like turning mm-hmm. into new things. That was always really fun to me. Anytime like my aunt or my mom are getting rid of clothes. I'm like, don't throw it out. Like that's a great weather that I can then rip into. And there was for a while that I looked like a hoarder because like I would cut the fabric and there'd be like a, like a one inch strip of like cotton and I'd throw it in a bucket and be like, that's going to be something else really good. And it's like, I would keep these big buckets of like, you know, one inch by one inch. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But sometimes I would, you know, cut into it again. And what, you know, in the pandemic when everybody everything shut down and everybody needed masks. And I was making my little couture masks out of my oh, giant good. fabric scrap bin. That was really good. But I like what you said that it is kind of a more sustainable practice doing things in what I call slow fashion or doing one at a time and having all this thought provoking 
ideas behind what you do. I mean, I've seen the giant factories where they have like 18 layers of fabric and they just like shove the pattern into it. And it's like the garbage to the rest and all that. I obviously do it one by one and I keep a lot of the fabric that's left over and I try to mix it into something else because what, I mean, I'm a small brand. So it's like, whatever's left over, that's probably going to be funneled into the next collection. And that's probably going to be used if I have five yards of silk and I use three, like that too can become a whole new idea, a whole new dress that can then spin off into a whole nother collection that people might want to utilize. So it's really a definitely more slow process. I mean, I, I get what the fast fashion brands do. Like I get, I admire that they're very accessible for a lot of people. Um, and I know some people obviously have problems with the ethics behind it. I mean, it's hard to find that medium, but it's like when you know, when I'm very transparent about how things are made, people tend to like what they're buying. And, and I like to, you know, film the fabric going in the machine and coming out the other end and you got the final product, but you know that who was making it was ethically treated and paid for their labor and that everybody is well taken care of for what they're making and that it was a very good process to come to the end result. So it can be sustainable in that way. I mean, it's obviously not fully sustainable because, you know, sometimes there is leftovers or scraps or things like that, that is just so unusable that you can't use it. And I do want to do a sustainable collection where I'm using old garments to make new ones, but it's hard to sell because they're just one-off pieces. But as I hopefully get bigger, like I'd love to do that stuff because the earth can be not in a good place sometimes. So we have to do our part to help that. How'd you get, how did you get so confident? How did you, how do you, for all the young designers out there um, who are like, I want to, I can kind of sew and maybe I want to go to fashion design school. How, how do you get the confidence to actually sew something and put it out there in the world? What advice do you have for, for young people? I mean, you're young yourself, but like people in high school, like the old you, like, how do you do that? Give some advice on that. Well, I mean, I have to say I'm not, I'm definitely not confident all the time. Like sometimes I see all these designers who like exude this confidence and I'm like, oh, I wish, like I try to be very, like uh, people are like, oh my God, I just saw your, you know, feature in Vogue business when it was there. I was like, oh, I know I, they included a few other designers too. They're amazing. Like definitely check them out. You know, it was just a fluke that they found me in this and that, like, I try to be very much like that, but I would say to anybody, my advice for young designers that I wish that somebody would tell me a long time ago is it's not easy and it's not glamorous all the time. People think, you know, it's all runways and red carpets and Vogue and and things like that. And I mean, that's a great level to achieve, but there are going to be nights that you're like crying yourself to sleep on your couch, like eating popcorn. Like there's going to be nights where you're like, why didn't I have a nine to five job? And there'll be friends being like, oh, I'm just, you know. Uh, putting in a deposit for my 401k and, you know, I got to go to the doctor with my like health insurance and whatever. And it's like, you know, they're uh, rising the corporate ladder and you're at the Joanne's fabric being like, I, th- this coupon works, I promise. Like it's not expired. <laughs> so, you know, it all really depends. It's not always glamorous, but when you are loving what you're doing and you are making something that makes you proud at the end of the day, it's like, you should be confident in that. Like you should you know, exude that confidence where it's like, yeah, 
being a designer could be tough, but it's like, look what I made. I made this dress that like people love. And I think what gives me the confidence is when other people say, I really want to wear that. And I want to wear that. The biggest compliment that people give me is when they say, I want that as my wedding dress. I'm like, really? You only get one wedding. Like, are you sure? <laughs> Wait, hold on. Are you talking to me? I'm just saying you like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, I'm like, seriously, like you want uh, this at your wedding? Like those pictures are forever. I mean, so, <laughs> but that always gives me the confidence that people, it, it's definitely all the people who followed me and messaged me and told me that what they, I, they love my work and things like that. That gives me the confidence to keep going. Obviously, if, if people were just like, okay, like whatever, I probably wouldn't have gone as full force as I did, but people love to tell me all the time. And honestly, like I have gotten sort of like, you know, a happiness from showing people the videos and seeing like, oh, this is from my last collection, like unsuspecting strangers. And then they drop it and then I've never seen something like that. That's so cool. I love that. You know, that's wild. Play that again. Like that's the stuff that keeps me going and keeps me keep wanting to create this, even on the hard days. It sounds like you have a lot of support between your mom, your sister, your aunt. It sounds like you have a strong presence around you that is encouraging you to to sew and be creative. And it's very difficult, I think, for parents to see children struggling and not having a nine to five job and and not having a 401k and taking a an un, and I say untraditional route because my generation you have to go to college there's no other way you're a loser on the street if you don't do that and it's just not true I mean there's a million jobs and especially since the pandemic a lot of people are creating and doing different things because they have to. And especially if their business is really suffering, they're having to do other things to make money. So you are a beacon of light, my friend, to be creative, do what the fuck you want to do. And my suggestion, I always say to people that want to be a stylist is if you can't be a stylist and support yourself on that, don't be stupid. Have a side hustle as a stylist. So would you agree if you're trying to be a designer, but you need to eat, do it on the weekends, do it when you can. And if that is meant to be, it's meant to be. Do you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. And so many days I still freelance for other designers. Good for I you. TV job. I have, um, you know, all different things that I like to do, but I've, you know, I've actually been working with a chef company and I do like their tech packs and their illustrator files Good and things. For you. Yeah. So, I mean, it definitely, you know, keeps me busy. It's, 10 or so hours a week where I'm just, you know, sketching for other people, like while I'm doing my own. So it's like, if you can, I mean, I know that's a luxury to be able to say, but if you can find something that still keeps your mind creative while you're working on your own and maybe still learning a thing or two about how, you know, the mass fashion world goes, like I would definitely encourage people to do that. Or if you're writing about things that excite you, or if you can try and tie it into what your end goal dream is so that you're still kind of in that same world, like that would be great. I mean, it's not always as easy as it sounds, but you know, I, I am happy that I get to do that as well. So it's not all just my own collection, but I love to help out other designers and learn through them as well. And that is the truth. That is the truth. If you want to be a designer, 
it might or might not happen. So let's support yourself while you're doing that. It, whether it's you're making jewelry or you're designing or you're thrifting and, and upcycling the way that you do, which I think a lot of designers start out that way because it's the quickest way and the cheapest way to really start your own line is to start upcycling. But I'm really impressed, as I knew I would be, with you and your work ethic and your attitude and your ability to help others and, and teach others and, and then be humble and say, I've got a lot to learn too. And I feel the same way. I'm always learning, taking it a class, doing something. I was talking to a friend the other day and she was like, I really need to go back to school and take X class. And I was like, uh, I'm right there with you. Like I could definitely use a refresher class and this or that. So I'm always looking for the next thing so I can be better because I'm far from there. <laughs> right. No, I'm the same way, especially with the business stuff. I tried taking a couple business classes, but I was like, what? <laughs> like, I, it was just not in my vernacular at all. You'll outsource that. You're, you you got to do it all now, but you got to outsource that when, when it's time, whether you get a VA, a virtual assistant, or you get your parents to help you. Like, I don't send out, and I am not afraid to say it, I don't send out one invoice, one bill, one anything without my husband checking it because my husband's like really smart, beauty brains, beauty brain. Let's be honest, okay? And so we know that, and he's like, did you mean to say this? Because that word doesn't mean that. I was like, God, it doesn't. Yeah, right. And he's like, no, honey, it, you meant to say this. I was like, oh, shit. And I'm constantly being corrected by him. But thank God for that. And he doesn't yeah. get annoyed with me asking. So. It's helpful when you, you know, live with Miriam Webster. And like, yeah, and <laughs> yeah for sure. Yeah, I need that too. <laughs> yes. Again, we have very, you know, beauty brains. I get it. Okay. So Evan. We have a lot to see coming from you. He was kind enough to send me a swimsuit that transforms into other swimsuits. And I'm going to do some videos with that and style it. It is the most, I can't even do it justice how fucking badass this thing is and how he put it together. And I know how to sew and I don't know how you put it together, but it is incredible. And I'm going to wear it and style it a different, a few different ways. He's going to share it. We're best friends now. This is amazing. I'm so happy that the universe put you in my path. I'm so happy for you. I'm so grateful that what you're doing and you're so talented and we have a lot more to see coming back from you. I know that you're interested in going into bridal. I'd love to invite you back to come and talk about some bridal trends and what you think the market needs. Would you come back and do that for us? Oh, without a question. Absolutely. <laughs> you didn't even have to ask. I mean, <laughs> you're really sweet. And how do we find you? If somebody wants to connect with you, how do we do that? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I always like to direct people first to my TikTok because that has just like that is the reason why I've been able to do so many amazing things that I do. And that's Evan Hirsch fashion. So that should come up pretty much right away. And um, on Instagram, it's Evan underscore Hirsch. My last name is H-I-R-S-C-H. Yeah, that's definitely where you can find me. Um, Evan dash Hirsch.com. Someone had Evan Hirsch.com and they've had Rude. it for 13 years. 
And it's been like a pic because you know when you Google your like your name, yeah, yeah, yeah. You type it in, and I've been doing it since like middle school. And it's <laughs> a picture of like this bird on a tree for like thirteen years. And I even contacted like the lawyer who had it and was like, "Hey, like, can I buy this from you or whatever?" And he's like, "Oh, well, one day I might want to have my own practice." And I was like, "Well, that's good, but like." I'm like a designer now. So like, can we, but it's Evan Dash Hirsch in the meantime, till I could persuade Mr. Evan Hirsch to, you know, relinquish my Let me domain. Check. I'm going to get on that for you. Okay. Will okay. You? He is not. No, no, sir. Okay. You're not going to hold that domain name hostage. Cause you might one day look, that's a separate conversation. We're going to work that out for you. Okay, dear? Okay, we're going to work that out for you. Your passion project. We, we love you. We're so excited for you. We can't wait to see what you're doing. Check out my videos. I'm going to style his swimsuit. Don't get excited. You're not going to see my ass in a bathing suit online. However, I am going to style it a couple of different ways. It's going to be great. This has been fantastic. We are so happy to know you. Everyone, Google him. Look him up. Look at his videos. Make sure you pass this on to someone you know. And you are going to be the next best, biggest name out there. And we get to say, we knew you win. Okay. It's going to be amazing. I'm so excited. Evan, thank you so much for joining us today. We have had such a great time talking to you and you're going to come back and, 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 and we got a lot more to do with you. It's a lot more to cover. I want everyone to know that he is reachable, sweet, humble, kind, adorable, and such an inspiration to all designers, new designers and stylists all around. So thank you so much for what you do. And I want everyone to please subscribe, follow us on Instagram, send me a DM. Let me know what your fashion questions are or your style questions. My name is Holly Cates, your favorite personal stylist. And of course, as always, the only Holly you need to know. This has been the Fashion Crimes Podcast, and we are out.